Welcome to the We Are SC Podcast. This is Eric McKinney with Greg Katz. Uh, we just got finished watching the first scrimmage of fall camp. It, it felt like sort of a long time coming. Uh, really nice to see them out there in, in what was a long scrimmage. They, they got in a ton of work. Uh, so much talk about, you know, no pads on Thursday. Then they had sort of a, a light practice at the Coliseum on Friday night. They went at it on Saturday and they went at it hard and for a long time and I, I think overall coming out of the scrimmage it, it was it was really nice to see what we saw obviously some ups some downs we'll get into those later but Greg just just kind of curious about your overall thoughts I, I was pretty pleased with, with what we saw well obviously I thought long is the appropriate word for the day usually the media is saying uh, okay uh, you know that's it but this was a case where it never seemed like it was going to end which is, you know, not a criticism at all. It was like you got to see a lot of stuff. You got to see a lot of players. Uh, and I will say this. Clay said this is what he was going to do, and he did what he was going to do. And that was to showcase all the quarterbacks, get as many receivers in there. The hitting, you know, you, you can see just an overall, you know, view of the team as it is today. You know, do I expect it to be what it is next week? No, I expect to be improved. I think everyone would think that. I think one of the highlights for me, uh, as, as trivial as it sounds, is that he confirmed there would be three scrimmages. So the third one I don't think we're going to be able to watch. So like everybody else, the general public, uh, next Saturday at the Coliseum at 4, we'll get one final look at um, where they're at. So today, obviously, most of the attention was going to be about the quarterbacks. When you have a four-way quarterback competition going on, that's going to drive a lot of attention. I thought all four quarterbacks had their moments. I, again, the same way I have felt about a lot of the practices lately, I felt like none of them said, this is my team, I'm doing this. I thought you saw a lot of good moments. Uh, from JT Daniels. I, I thought Jack Sears had a, a, a lot of great plays. Matt Fink had some good plays. I, I think at this point you're starting to see Keaton Slovis make enough true freshman mistakes and decisions to where you're, you're more comfortable with the other three guys when they go in that, that that's not going to happen. Well, to me, it's, it's, it gets to a point where it's not so much what are you doing positively, it's what are you doing negatively, which is easy to start, I mean... Keaton Slovis uh, is a true freshman, uh, although he had, did have a spring ball mm -hmm. under his belt, but he threw some interceptions, he had some passes that would probably wishes he had back. Where the other three, I thought Fink, now Fink hadn't done the old uh, NCAA portal transfer thing, I think that you would probably think of him in terms as a three-horse race based on what you saw today. Uh, I thought JT Daniels looks like the quarterback in the pocket. You know, the seven-on-seven seven All-American is somebody referred to him as. Personally, I think that uh, Sears is the more dynamic, explosive quarterback because when he runs out of the pocket, at least today, he didn't look like he ran out of the pocket because that's what he wanted to do. He ran out of the pocket because he immediately identified there's nobody open. And he picks up 10, 15 yards. So, you know, what I'm looking at is who can sustain the drives? Who can move the chains? And I thought Fink, you know, his passing has gotten better and better. And he, like like Sears, can run out of the pocket and get downfield in a hurry. So it's going to be a very interesting debate in the coach's office, just what they see as opposed to what uh, Eric McKinney and Greg Katz see. 
and, and Fink really got things started going. He hit Valus Jones for a, a long pass. I think probably down before, but seemed like they gave they gave him the touchdown. And Valus Jones had, had a big game. Again, we'll get into him uh, a little bit, but it, in a scrimmage like this, when you are you know, if you want to look at just final stats, some guys you could say, oh, that guy had a great day. When you sort of start looking at it, you have, you know, sometimes one's going against ones, sometimes the, you know, threes against threes. So depending, and, and the wide receivers kind of go so much and flip in and out uh, with, with ones and twos and all that. You, you had, and this first pass, Bayless Jones, the first deep ball, was against a true freshman in, in Adonis Ote. Valus Jones got on the receiving end of another long pass from Jack Sears later in the in the scrimmage, again against Ote. So so when you have a guy, you know, a, a fourth year guy, a fifth year guy, some of these veteran guys, sometimes they're they're picking on true freshmen. And Clay Helton said that later. Now to Ote's credit, he came back later, had an interception, had a couple nice pass breakups. So you can see, in settings like this, you can see guys grow up over the span of you know two two and a half hours. So I thought that was nice. But the wide receivers, again, this is with the air raid, you're going to get a lot of attention on those wide receivers. Amon Ross St. Brown looked un- unbelievable today. He got on the end of, of a couple long passes, some short passes that he turned into long gains. Those guys, Valus Jones and Amon Ross St. Brown today, for, for me, offensively, in terms of the wide receivers, they really stood out. Well, you know, it's really interesting because certain systems highlight certain players. There's no question in my mind that SC, what I saw the SC team today, for me, looking more like Washington State, okay? That doesn't mean that they're going to pass it every single down, but the concepts are all Washington State. Look, when, when Graham Harrell decides he wants to run the ball, then you can say it'll be balanced or what have you, but I think this offense fits uh, Valus Jones. Uh, this was the Valus Jones that I think that Clay Helton kept talking about. Uh, I think that uh, you know the, the two freshman receivers, Minier um, McLean and, and Drake London, were were excellent, mm-hmm. excellent. What I really liked about London is he was over the middle. He found quote the grass, mm-hmm. and the quarterbacks found him. And what I thought was important is he's such a tall receiver and he's built pretty good. He doesn't cough up the ball. You know, sometimes you see freshmen they get whacked, and all of a sudden that ball squirts out like a greased pig. Mm-hmm. And he covered the ball a couple of times. I thought, you know, they they ruled the play dead, but I, he broke a couple of tackles that I saw anyway. So, you know, and, and I'm on Raw. Let's face it, this guy is going to be in the NFL. And you, you put him in on space like that for this type of offense. Look, if he catches the ball, he's a threat to go every single time. You know, and if he doesn't fumble the ball, you know, he's going to be. You know, teams are going to, I don't know if they can double cover him in, in a situation of like this. And he's so physically built, I don't know if press defense is going to slow him up. And we just talked about four wide receivers. We didn't mention Michael Pittman, Tyler Vaughns, Devin Williams. I mean, the, this is a wide receiver court that is, you know, if, if they're not the best in the Pac-12, I, I'm not sure who is. And again, you got to see it on the field this fall. But they, they are turning in a terrific fall camp and like you mentioned the two freshmen out of that group that they've been really good the offensive line focus on that a little bit because that's obviously going to be the focus this year maybe a good not great day I think that I was I was impressed more than I thought I would with the run game I thought when they went to the run game 
it was it was nice to watch. They got a push. There were a couple of situations, you know, a third and short, a fourth and short, those sorts of things where, you know, the, the last couple of years, you just kind of hear, you know, here comes the two-yard loss. Here, here comes somebody knifing through, bringing down the running back in the backfield. They picked him up today, uh, and, and there was that push. Um, we'll talk about Marquis Step in a little bit. He's a big, a big reason for a lot of that. Uh, but but I thought the offensive line was was good overall. And this is you know first group going against the ones, second group going against the twos. Well, you know the way I look at it is it's a, basically a new offensive line. So I think it deserves the ability to see how much it can grow, how much it can uh, you know compete. I don't think they're as physical as I would like them to be, mm-hmm. but. I think you hit on an excellent point was the fact that when uh, Marquis Step is in the game, he moves the pile. And uh, a couple times they broke him free. A couple times he moved the pile and short yardage. Uh, and I think an important thing that I try to look at is it's, sometimes it's hard to do because you're looking at so many things is to see what defensive line that offensive line is going sure. against. Uh, but I would say if you're looking for positives, positives are they were able to convert short yardage situations I don't care who the defense was mm-hmm. they were able to do it backs were not getting stuffed where they had the bigger problem was when they tried to run wide right when they tried to run wide it just didn't happen uh, I wanted to see the young uh, running back uh, Kristen yeah Keenan Kristen and they didn't give him much room I think that he already exhibited that they all know if he gets to the outside it's you know the horses are out of the barn mm-hmm. but uh, you know, all in all, you know, you, you look at the running backs. I thought that actually, uh, since we're talking about running backs now, I thought that Stephen Carr looked like he did two years ago. Yeah. I, I thought he, even if the the gain was small, minimal, I watched him. I had my, my, my binoculars on him. He was able to dance around into the hole, find what little space there was, and accelerate into it. So I thought that was a really a good sign for him, that even though he didn't break the 30-yard, 40-yard, uh, gain one time he did get uh, get outside and then mm-hmm. back inside, but just his ability to accelerate again and to you can see the confidence is growing in him. And he was close on one Chase Williams sort of shoestring tackle as he broke up the middle and that that would have been uh, a long run for him. For me, Marquis Step and we talked about him all spring. He is absolutely a guy to watch this fall. To again, you want to talk about Stephen Carr being back. Vivai Malpei, obviously, he can do what he can do. Marquis Step is so much fun to watch. He is that, you know, battering ram, bowling ball. He had, I want to say it was maybe three runs in four plays or, or maybe three straight runs where he was just pulling multiple defenders. It's not that he runs over one guy. It's that he runs over someone, then pulls two more tacklers, you know, an extra five, an extra six, an extra eight yards uh, downfield. He is a lot of fun to watch and not any fun to tackle. No, he's to me, and I've said this before, and there's other people who I respect uh, agree with what I... uh, He's Lindale White. He's Lindale White, and he might be better than Lindale White. Uh, with all due respect to Lindell White, mm-hmm. uh, the fact of the matter is, the, the bigger problem is, is how they're going to use him. Sure. I hope they don't use him on short yardage or at the end of the game when they need to run clock. He's just too good. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just too good. If he were in an eye formation, he'd be carrying the ball 25 times, wearing the defense out. And he has the speed to break away. 
you know, like Lendale had. People used to say, oh, Lendale doesn't have the speed to break away. He, believe me, Marquis Steph has the speed to break away, and, and his teammates know it. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, overall, offensively, again, like we said, I, I think it was first scrimmage of fault. You hit some big plays. There was some stuff uh, maybe a little disjointed, um, but, but I think that the quarterbacks kind of took a step forward. The wide receivers, we saw what they're capable of doing uh, in this offense, and really it's going to be let's put that offensive line up against somebody and see see how good they actually are. And that's going to be the test, I think, when the season starts. Yeah, and, let, and let's see who the quarterback's going to be. Sure. You know, what we, what, we, what we think we know is that if JT is the starter, we know what his pluses are, we mm-hmm. know what his minuses are, but is he going to be able to move the team? Is he going to throw a pick six? Is he, what is he going to do? I mean, if, if it's Sears, you're going, to, you're going to think back to Arizona State. That's the quarterback you expect to see. Uh, you know, he's the type of quarterback that can look good in practice but could look great in a game, and we already saw that. So I think that the uh, coaching staff is going to really have to look long and hard. And, uh, again, I'm not, I'm not counting out Fink, only because Fink, if you don't, if, they, if you mixed up all the numbers, mm-hmm. if you mixed Sears' number with Fink's number, you, you wouldn't know which one maybe each one is. Uh, you know, JT is different. He's the... I stand in the pocket. I've been doing seven-on-sevens for a million years. But, you know, there's a question about his ability to be consistent. Yeah, he hits on long balls, but is, you know, what about the rest of the game? That's what's important. It'll be interesting. I, I like where JT has picked up the, the quick game in this. I, I think that sort of fits his strength, and that's what a lot of this offense asks him to do. And he's you can see when he's really on, there are some drives where, you know, he's throwing the ball as soon as it touches his hand and he can get it out quickly and, and then the offense does start to move. Um, but again, not enough. I, I don't think we've seen enough to sit, to sit here and say, you know, he has, has blown everybody out of the water this fall. I, I, I still think that because of the experience and because of what we've seen where he just hasn't had the big dips this fall, um, I, I think that probably he's done enough, but I want to see the next scrimmage because, again, the flashes that you see from, from Sears, the flashes you see from Fink, they, it's it absolutely, I think Clay Helton and Graham Harrell are doing the right thing and giving them some extended reps and some extended opportunities uh, to, to keep their name in there and, and maybe grab that spot. Well, if you look at it from this standpoint, you could say, right or wrong, it would be easier to bring Sears off the bench than maybe the demotion of JT Daniels just from in uh, how does each player uh, you know get sure. it. I will say this, if you sit Sears, you better make sure that Sears and the rest of the team know that when a change needs to be made, it's made. And that's what's gonna go back to how Graham Harold decides he wants to work it. Uh, I, you know, it's almost like bringing, to me, uh, and believe me, I'm not comparing JT Daniels to Clayton Kershaw, but it's like bringing Kershaw out of the bullpen, you know, in the sense that, you know, it's easier to bring to start him than it is to bring him out of the bullpen, and and it could get that could be a deciding factor as well. So we're way down the down the path right now. Let's we'll pull it back to Saturday. The the one thing that stood out to me, and I know you too, because we talked about this before we started, the amount of penalties. Uh, this was something that was you know. Not a yellow flag, but a red flag for for me here. And again, 
This is the first scrimmage of fall. You've got a ton of true freshmen that were not here in the spring. They are they are absolutely learning, and you saw a few of them. I mean, certainly a a large number of the penalties were against true freshmen here, but this was one of the you know three things that Clay Helton said. This is my job. This is my responsibility. We are eliminating penalties, or at least cutting down drastically on penalties. And that didn't happen the scrimmage. Now, th if this sets your, your benchmark, sort of your baseline, that's fine. Next Saturday, I think those numbers need to be way down. And that's sort of when I, I think I will judge that. This one is just, okay, that, that's alarming to see that number of penalties uh, in, in this kind of scrimmage. Let's see where it goes. If it, if it trickles down for the rest of fall camp, okay, we're on the right path. If you see the same number next week, there's a disconnect between we're going to eliminate penalties and what actually is happening on the field. Well, I'm, I was concerned about the personal foul penalties, mm -hmm. uh, and it happened real early. Yeah. It happened between, uh, and you, you can correct me on this, uh, with Amon Ra St. Brown, and I think it was uh, Elijah, yeah, uh, Eli Griffin, Elijah Griffin. Yeah, Elijah Griffin. I mean, they were like you know playing with each other's face masks and all that stuff, but to the point where you had to throw a flag. Mm -hmm. Now... Come on, I'm on Raw. St. Brown should know better, and Griffin, of course, has been with the program already. They both, you know, were involved in the spring, if not participating, because Griffin had the shoulder mm -hmm. situation. But the amount of emphasis that that Clay Helton has put mm -hmm. and made public, mm -hmm. you know, my job is now to deal with the discipline. I think the happiest person in the post-game press conference was Clay Helton, because nobody in the media brought it up. And I'm sure he had to be thinking about it, but I also think the media showed some compassion by, by, by looking at it the way you did, Eric, saying basically, okay, it's the first game, the first scrimmage, let's see what happens. Because I'll tell you what will happen. If, if there's a bunch of penalties in that game on uh, next Saturday in the Coliseum, I'm not so sure the fans aren't going to start screaming oh, sure. about it. Uh, and, you know, you're, you're going to get a, a real fan reaction in general. Mm -hmm. But if they start seeing, you know, holding and pass interference but they see the personal fouls then the players are losing control and that's that is an issue and you had a the, there was one later Devin Williams tried to sort of get into a little bit with Chase Williams after a play and and Austin Jackson was not having it he really put his foot down pulled Devin Williams back and and, and you can see the players are, are trying to police themselves a little bit I thought the Elijah Griffin Amon Ross St. Brown thing at the beginning com a completely unnecessary B not a not super surprising again you start you know in in camp you get so ramped up with you know non-hitting days and there's so much jawing and, and those guys are so competitive anyway at some point something boils over and this was you know this was not a fight this was not something that you know got blown out of proportion but again when your head coach is trying to say we're not gonna have dumb penalties that that just you can't do that i mean that that is something uh where you look at that and you go, this is last year. This is what leads to a five-win season if you can't control yourself like that. Again, we'll look at how that progresses and kind of take into account this was the starting point. Let's see what it looks like throughout the week and then next, next scrimmage. Going to the defensive side, we talked about some of the big plays that were made by the offense. I thought the first team defense looked really good. I thought the, the corners played well. Uh, you had Raylan Goforth playing middle linebacker a ton. They get, they cut 
John Houston's reps down a lot. Clay Hilton talked about it after, said they're just, I mean, basically, I'm going to go baseball again like you did. Uh, a little bit on a pitch count with John Houston. He's taken a lot of snaps. He's the, you know, a, a fifth-year senior in the middle. They're not concerned about what he can do. And in his absence, they're going to push Raylan Goforth. I don't think Raylan Goforth needs much of a push. I really like what he's done, and I, I think he is the future of that middle linebacker position. And I think there's a chance, again, depending on how long Jordan Iosefa is out, I, I think there's a chance that he plays a little bit. Again, not stealing John Houston's starting spot, but from watching him play, the way he's around the ball, the way he handles himself, he's a guy that I think a lot of people at USC feel comfortable playing right there in the middle. Well, I tell you, the biggest question about Raylan Goforth, as far as I'm concerned, is if I'm a UCLA fan, I go, how the heck did we lose him when we had his, you know, Randall, his brother, played for us? So, yeah. so, when he's allowed to be interviewed, I think that's one of the big questions I want sure. to ask him. But, uh, yeah, he plays way beyond being a, a, a true freshman. And I would rather see him get in sooner rather than later, mm -hmm. only because the schedule is so front-heavy with really power teams mm -hmm. and that sort of stuff that I hope he gets a lot of playing time against, uh, you know, uh, Fresno State. And I hope that, uh, you know, he's transitioned and weaned into the Stanford thing because he's going to learn a lot in the first couple of games. Mm -hmm. But in terms of, you know, he's, he's, still, he's still young. You know, you, you just don't walk into Notre Dame Stadium and say, okay, this doesn't affect me. Right, right. You know, uh, which, you know, is another whole different topic about having your team go through a walkthrough before the game. Clay Elton doesn't do that. I think that's not... I, I'm against not doing that. Well, they did it before the scrimmage, the walkthrough in the Coliseum last night. Well, that was the great <laughs> irony. You know, no, none, none of the media knew that right. they were going to do this where they win at night. And then, you know, because on the sheet that we get, it, it said no practice, mm -hmm. no media. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was a little bit uh, just disappointed that they didn't alert us so that we could actually tell fans look, we can't get in, and people say, well, why weren't you there, or what would happen? You know, I understand that, but to your point, if you're going to sit there and then tell us during the, the media scrum that the reason we did it is we wanted the young players to see what the experience at night is in the Coliseum, see the new renovations, get everybody kind of comfortable. Well, if you're going to do that in your own home stadium, you know, and again, this is a conversation for another time, but why would you not do it when you're, when you're playing away games at any level? Because remember, part of your roster is going to be true freshmen. Sure. They haven't been to, uh, you know, some of these, they haven't been to Husky Stadium in Seattle. You know, they haven't been to some of these places, you know, Notre Dame or what, what have you. So that being said, I think they go forth will adjust nicely in the end. It's a, that's a good, you know, long way around to getting back to, to go forth. Uh, what I thought we saw today, and Clay Helton mentioned it in the post game, the veterans that you expect to play well played well. Uh, you know, right. EA in the middle, uh, he was great. The two safeties, you know, that you you know everything that you're getting from them. And I really like when they're off the field, the way they talk to the defensive backs, the second team, the third team. I mean, everything is coaching. You have, you know, Chris Hawkins, the grad assistant there, and then Talanoa and Isaiah Polamau. That that's a lot of coaching that these young guys are getting. I thought Chris Steele, after some, some you know, rough spots this past week, uh, kind of drawing flags and getting picked on a little bit, I think, by some of the older wide receivers, uh, I, I thought he had a, a good day today. Um, 
And, and so I think you, you're starting to see some maturation in that secondary. And that was, for me, on defense, I think the biggest question is, are, are these guys going to be able to play? I think Chase Williams give you, gives you some versatility. We saw him move back to safety today. We saw Greg Johnson flip from corner into that nickel spot. I thought Raymond Scott had a good day uh, playing that nickel spot. So the the names, the faces, they're starting to show up in that secondary, and I think you're getting some positive play from them. And again, a lot of these guys are going against, like I said, what could be the best wide receiving core in the Pac-12 this year. So yeah, they're, and, they're and getting NFL, a master's. NFL players. Uh, absolutely, yeah. About they're it. getting a little bit of a master's course, some of these some of these young guys going against them. Well, I tell you, my biggest fear with the secondary was first, is there enough talent? And I think that's been answered. There is enough talent. But what hasn't been answered and won't be answered until they play in a game is the inexperience. Okay? Uh, I will say this. You're absolutely spot on that this group, more than I've seen in the last couple of seasons, communicates mm-hmm. uh, in the secondary. Mm-hmm. Now, you might credit Greg Burns, the first-year coach that's uh, coaching him, and I definitely believe that Chris Hawkins is having an effect because I, I was talking with Isaiah Palomau uh, the other day at practice, and he was just just giving praise to, to Hawkins, how you know, he's one of us, so to speak, and he knows what he's doing. So I, I, I have a lot more confidence in the secondary than I did. Does that mean that they're going to you know, be the 72 national champion Trojan secondary? Hey, they, they, they need to be given uh, some rope to get experienced. And the whole season is going to be experienced. Because remember, in the second half of the season, they're going to face Justin, you know, Herbert. And he's maybe the number one draft pick in the entire NFL, and he's a quarterback. But by the time they get there, they'll, have, they'll be seasoned enough that they can really compete. I, I really have changed my thoughts on the secondary uh, because they are such competitors, and they are talented, and they're healthy. So uh, I, I took that as a good point. Plus, if the defensive line puts enough pressure which they should, uh, on, on the opposing quarterback, that makes the secondary's job just that much easier. I'm curious for you today, s- surprises, guys who, who, you know, you came away saying, you know, that guy had a, had a pretty good day and maybe you didn't expect going into it. Well, you know, that's a, that's a tough question because, you know, I, I try to concentrate on certain players. I, I would say offensively it was, it was, it was Drake uh, London mm-hmm. because he was finding grass and what impressed me is sometimes a young player, when they go over the middle or they sit in a pattern, well, they get their head knocked off. Sure. And he's six foot five, and he's not built like a wimp. I mean, he's, he's pretty, pretty put together. The fact was is he never coughed up the ball, and he took some shots. And uh, there was a couple times he actually, I thought, broke tackles to go in the end zone, but they ruled him down. Uh, defensively, uh, Griffin is, you know, uh, wasn't. I guess he's not a surprise, but sure. I think... The idea of potential is generally considered unproven talent. Mm-hmm. He's showing that he's that talent's there. He's healthy. He's you know he wants it. You know and and steel to me not a surprise, but the fact of the matter is when he gets knocked down so to speak or gets beat by a by a receiver, he bounces back mm-hmm. up and he competes again. Absolutely. And that's what you want to see. What you want to see. So in in, in that uh, vein. Uh, you know, they jumped out to me. I guess go forth too. I would have to say, because he just is just like you keep waiting for him to be a freshman, and he doesn't play like it at all. Mm-hmm. For me, I, I like two guys up on the defensive line: Nick Figueroa and Caleb Tremblay. I thought 
both yeah. of them. I didn't see a ton of them going against against the ones. Um, I'm sure there was so much mixing and matching going on that I'm sure they they were at some point. But uh, when they were in there, they really kind of controlled what they were supposed to do. You know, were able to kind of knife through, get into the backfield, make some plays. Tremblay, especially, I, I think he had at least you know two or three. Uh, tackles in the backfield or, or stops at the line of scrimmage. Uh, and those are guys that the defensive line is going to need. I mean, as as good as Marlon Tuipoloto and, and Jay Tufele and Brandon Peely, once he gets back from injury, as good as those guys are, you've got to be able to rotate through and, and really get more guys in there. And seeing some flashes from those two, for me, was really nice because Drake Jackson, you know, up front is is at this point a given. Christian Rector is certainly a given. So you have guys that you know you're going to get something out of. Being able to go two deep, three deep, and kind of throw waves out there I think is important for the defense because, like you mentioned, that's going to help the secondary. Well, I think you hit the nail right on the head with Tremblay. I I think I turned to you during and I said, was that Tremblay mm-hmm. on a couple of them? And what I liked about Tremblay is he was fired up. I mean, mm-hmm. He was jumping up and down. This guy came in with a lot of hype, a lot of positive evaluation coming to SC. Didn't work out last year. He had a red shirt. But we're seeing a little bit of what he's all about. And when I look at the rotation and the depth, uh, I was listening to Coach K. Ka-ha-ha-ha-ha. And he was saying, he says, you know what? We're at least two deep. And in some spots, we're three deep. And even the guys uh, that have, the freshman uh, nose tackle, Benton, he said, this guy can play. He, he's got a motor. He's still learning. Sure. He says, but, uh, I mean, that shows you how deep they are. I'm really intrigued with the defensive line because you got a different coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, not to take anything away from Kenichi Udizi, but these guys are raving about uh, Coach K and their, the, the style of attacking style that he's doing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, seems to be uh, thumbs up all all around, so that's that's good. Yeah, something clicked between Coach K and and this group. Exactly. And whether it was just that sort of fresh face and and something new coming in, or it's the way he teaches it, you can see sort of a, a pep. And he is he gets after it. I mean, you you know, is anybody going to be at Orgeron on the practice field? Probably not. But Coach K gets as fired up. Uh, as most co- as as maybe any coach that we've seen at SC, you know, since Ed Orgeron. So he's he's one of those guys that's fun to watch. Mike Jinks too, I think, kind of deserves uh, some some credit with there too. Those guys can really get it going, uh, you know, when when they're going through individual drills or or during uh, during the scrimmage today, certainly. And I'd have to say hats off to Clay Helton. He hired three coaches that are definitely for what we're seeing this year are big upgrades in the players' performances. I think Jinx, who is a running back coach, is the right person to try to sort out uh, what I think is really three outstanding running backs. Uh, and, and he understands the system that's being run now. Uh, you know, uh, Coach K on the defensive line, he's, a, he's, you know, they're really coming off the ball. It's, it's, a, it's wonderful to watch. And, uh, you know, you, you watch them and, and, and you sit there and you, you go, you know what, the, the coaches that, that Clay brought in, hats off to him. You know, he deserves the credit for bringing these, these guys in. Uh, and, again, we'll see more about the, uh, you know, the whole specter next week at, these, at the scrimmage because, uh, you know, once you get the fans in there and the players will get all fired up and, you know, the band will be there and the song leaders and what have you. Mm-hmm. So it's, 
it, it was interesting today. Yeah. And hopefully they can build upon it. Yeah, certainly not coming out of there, you know, disappointed with everything, with anything or, you know, oh, this needs a ton of work. Again, we'll look at those penalties. I think that may be the, the only thing where you come away going, that's got, you know, that really has to change. I think everything else, the assumption is that's, you know, they're going to continue to improve. The young guys are going to get more time uh, and really get more involved. But I think, again, like like we said earlier, Coming out of that first scrimmage, I, I'd say you kind of have to like where you are. I know Clay Elton at the end of the practice said we'll go watch film and we'll we'll evaluate from it. Um, I'm sure there's going to be stuff he talks about next week where they'd like to do better in some areas. I think any coach would say that after the first practice of the scrimmage. So that was our look at the first practice of fall scrimmage. Again, hopefully everybody can get out there next Saturday and take their look because that's really going to be the last open to media practice of the season uh after that it's 20 minutes at the very beginning of practice and then we'll hear from players and coaches at the end of it so does, I, does, that, does that mean that we can see how they've improved in their stretching from week <laughs> to week that we go the, the the jumping jacks are actually improving in the speed right now we'll just focus on improvement from this <laughs> scrimmage to the next scrimmage so for greg katz this is eric mckinney thanks for listening to the we are sc podcast